Welcome to the podcast, Babies Out. Now what? I'm Katha McMaster, a parent, grandmother, midwife, and partner to my husband, Ken. Through these short 10 to 15 minute podcasts, I'll have some very informative guests and we will share tips, information, resources, tools, and much more to help you, your partner, and family welcome your new little human. I hear from many people about their becoming a parent for the first time or adding to their family. There are joys, worries, opportunities, and challenges for certain. The content of these podcasts are not clinical in nature, though we may discuss normal physiological details related to pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, and newborn behavior. Always consult your healthcare provider for assessment and advice if you have any concerns about yourself or your baby. Go to our website, www.babiesout.com, and download the journal with accompanying questions, discussion topics, resources, and tools for your use electronically or as a hard copy. The journal is low cost, but you will find value in it as you consider the topics we are covering. Use it as a guide with your partner. Some of you may wish to have one-on-one discussion time with me or one of my guests. There is a Work With Me tab for registration on the website, www.babiesout.com. Now join me and let's consider Babies Out, Now What? Hello and welcome to Babies Out, Now What? We're starting a two-part series on day one of the baby's life. Today we're going to focus on the first two hours of life and we can take a look at what affects mom and what affects baby. I have a guest today, Dr. Anara McMaster, who is a board certified pediatrician. She's done special work in quality improvement in newborn intensive care units, led a project called Eat, Sleep and Console, which we'll talk a little bit more about, and she served on the Donor Breast Milk Committee. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So some people may pick up on the fact that we have the same last name, and yes, she's my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No coincidence there. Yes, so as a pediatrician and my being a midwife, it's a really interesting balance, and we've had lots of good chats about um, the different approaches to care and where one scope stops for a new babe and when where one picks up. So maybe first we'll talk a little bit about mom in the first couple of hours after the birth and then we'll switch over to to baby and look at what happens from the time the baby's head emerges and babes delivered right on through the first couple of hours so with mom now you've pushed your baby out or you've had your baby delivered via c-section but there are a few things that are going to happen in the next couple of hours for you the first thing if you've had a vaginal delivery is that you need to have the placenta delivered. And there's a couple of ways of doing that. One is expectant management. So we wait and your body will have a contraction. This can be prompted by having the baby skin to skin or having the baby latch even and start to breastfeed. And breastfeeding or skin to skin is going to stimulate more oxytocin, the same thing that puts you into labor and you will have a contraction and you'll be able to feel that your placenta is ready to come out. The other way of doing a placental delivery is called active management. So the minute after the baby's born, you'll be given one injection of oxytocin and you will have a contraction in the next six to 10 minutes on average. You will be able to feel your placenta come down into your vagina and be able to push it out. 
After your placenta is delivered, your midwife, your family physician, or your obstetrician will take a look at it and make sure it's intact and all is good. The other thing that will happen in the first couple of hours is you'll have your blood pressure checked approximately four to five times. Blood pressure changes can indicate bleeding, can indicate other clinical um, issues are starting to occur. So that's watched closely. You'll also have something called a fundal massage. So once the placenta is out, your midwife, physician, or obstetrician will give your fundus, the top of your uterus, a little massage just to check on bleeding and make sure it's staying firm and central. We'll also watch your bleeding and see, is it minimal? Is it increasing? Are you seeing clots? And then we can respond accordingly. You'll also be encouraged to eat and start to drink water, juice, those kinds of things. And after about an hour and a half to two hours, we'll suggest you get up to void if you've had a vaginal delivery. If you had a C-section, that's a different experience. You will be going on to have your abdomen repaired in surgery. And then sometimes you will be sent to a recovery room. Sometimes you'll be sent to recover in a postpartum room and your baby may be separated from you for a short time. And in other cases, they keep the baby with you. So we'll do a totally different podcast, just looking at the C-section, the whole process and what happens in the postpartum period of time. So that about covers mom in the first couple of hours. What about the baby then? There's a document that I like to use in our, it's the Association of Ontario Midwives document called Normal Newborn Behavior. And I really refer to this when I start to educate parents in the first, in antenatal appointments, first few minutes of life, and I remind them to use it at home in the postpartum. So in the first few minutes, once baby's head emerges or baby is delivered, they are likely to just take a breath. What you will see with your baby is we will try and stimulate your baby with some blankets or a towel. We'll try to keep baby skin to skin with you. And sometimes we rub the baby's feet or the, the chest bone just to get a little bit more reaction and get them to give us a good cry. Generally that happens within the first minute. However, one in 10 babies approximately need a bit of help with that. Can you explain a little bit more what happens in that scenario? For sure. So. About one in 10 babies don't take that spontaneous first breath within that first minute. And if that happens, what you will see happen is either the baby will stay on your chest and the mask will be put on top of your baby's face over the mouth and the nose, and they'll be given a few breaths. So basically, we're pushing air into their lungs to try to stimulate them. Uh, If you're in a different situation where they decide that the baby needs to go to the warmer, they'll cut your cord and take the baby away in the same room, usually, and put them on the warmer. And same thing would happen over there. They put a mask on, you're going to help your baby breathe a little bit. At that time, you're also looking at, you know, how much oxygen is in their blood and you want to, we'll be looking at their heart rate. Most babies, after they get a breath or two or three, will just start breathing on their own and they're good to just keep on going, usually watch them for a minute or two, make sure they're nice and stable and they can go back to mom quite quickly and get back on the chest. But if your baby doesn't start to take their own spontaneous breath or if something about the heart rate is a little bit too low, then they will likely stay over there to the warmer and continue to get breaths and whatever else interventions they may need. So 
So I think that talking further into that is getting a little bit too deep for this podcast because those are more rare situations. But overall, usually most babies of that 10% just require a few little puffs of air. And sometimes we even just put air in over their nose and stimulates them and they they wake up and they start breathing on their own. So <laughs> yes, that's true. We're focusing on normal babies today for sure. Sometimes if moms have had some pain medication, particularly narcotics, or if you have had a C-section or you have an epidural, sometimes baby take a little longer time to start to have those first breaths spontaneously. And sometimes it's quite normal to see that we support the baby's breathing for five to 10 minutes. And normally they then wake up quite nicely and begin to stimulate on their own. So that's another little variance of normal, but certainly is still considered a normal transition in in life. So what is a normal pattern for for breathing? I know sometimes parents get concerned when they see very rapid and very slow and maybe a few seconds without a breath. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, for the first couple of hours of life, your, your baby's breathing may seem really irregular to you. So babies will breathe in what we call clusters. And so they'll breathe really, really quickly a lot of quick, fast breaths, and then they look like they pause a little bit. You know, about five, 10 seconds, they'll pause, and then they start breathing again, and quick, quick, quick. And this can all be very normal. Even a few little noises can be very normal. Even a few little grunting where they're making some noise at the end of their breath. They take a breath in, and then they go, "Ah." if they only do that every once in a while, that's okay. When we start to get concerned is if when they're breathing, that grunting sound is happening all the time. It lasts longer than a few minutes and it just keeps going. Or if your baby is having that periodic breathing, the pause is 15 to 20 seconds. Then we're getting concerned. And that's a little bit outside the norm. If over that one full minute period, your baby's breathing very fast. So what that means is over 60 times in a minute. And so they might breathe really quickly and then sort of pause and then breathe slower and then pause. So it's the average over that entire time period. Other pieces that are concerning is something called a retraction. So that's where the muscles between the ribs or under the ribs at the top of the sternum, right at the neck there, that little notch we have, are sucking in with each breath. That means the baby's working really hard to bring that breath in. And again, that is not normal if that's lasting more than a couple of minutes. Another sign that your baby's working really hard to breathe is if the nostrils of your baby are flaring out, they're widening every time they breathe. And that again is going on for more than a couple of minutes. If ever you're seeing blue of the lips or gray of the lips or of the chest, that is also not normal. You will see many babies have blue hands and feet. This is something called acrocyanosis and is completely normal in a newborn. It does not indicate that your baby doesn't have enough oxygen. It's part of their normal circulation of figuring things out in the first couple of days. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, very important to know. I even find that babies, if someone's being breastfed that their leg or their arm that has the pressure on it might change color but then as soon as you put your baby upright and that pressure's off it returns to a lovely pink (laughs) I just wanted to mention something I know some of the listeners will be 
people who have entertained or have had home births. And at a home birth, your midwife will also have all the equipment necessary to do assistance for your baby's transition in those first few minutes. So talk to your midwife about what they bring to your home, take a look at the equipment and rest assured that there's stabilization there for your baby, whether it's a home birth or a hospital birth. Okay. Let's talk about the temperature. We then dry stimulate. We want to change those blankets for that baby. We want to get a hat on the baby right away. And we're going to check the baby's temperature. 36.5 Celsius to 37.5 Celsius would be a normal range that we're looking for. So when are we getting concerned about a higher or a lower temperature? Yeah, absolutely. So Anytime your baby's temperature is under 36.5 degrees Celsius, that is of concern. So what you want to do there is you want to put your baby skin to skin with you, cover them up with a blanket, and take the temperature again after about 30 minutes. If the temperature is still below 36.5 at that time, they need to be seen by a provider. That is not normal and can be a sign of an infection. Now, if your baby's temperature is 38.0 degrees Celsius or higher, they need to be seen by a midwife, provider, pediatrician, somebody, because that's very high temperature. It's considered a fever in a newborn. And again, that can be a sign of an infection. Now, if we're kind of in this in-between sort of 37.5 to 37.9 degrees Celsius range, you know, in there, you can actually just remove a layer of clothing and let take another temperature in 30 minutes. And if it has normalized, fantastic. Um, and if it continues to be over that, and at, at that point, again, it's a matter of just reaching out and having the baby assessed by a provider just to make sure nothing else is going on at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are great, great suggestions. The other thing what you mentioned skin to skin, you can see such a great improvement with babies in the first couple of hours of dedicated skin to skin time. So I know as a midwife, we try and keep that time sacred and not move the baby off mom or dad or the partner or grandparent for that first two hours of time. You certainly see blood sugars regulate the baby's blood pressure. If your baby is having that monitor, the breathing will change. And also it's a great way to get the temperature regulated. At a home birth and in some hospitals, we're birthing babies in water. And just like when you go swimming afterwards, your core temperature can drop a little bit. So those babies in particular really benefit from an extended skin to skin period to get that temperature stabilized. Skin to skin is wonderful. It does so much for the baby and for mom. It is a calming and relaxing effect on both mom and baby. As you were saying, it helps regulate the heart rate, breathing. It actually helps the baby to digest better and have more interest in feeding, helps to regulate their temperature. It actually also regulates their stress hormone as well and, and actually helps to stabilize their blood sugars right after birth. So all of these things are absolutely fantastic. So definitely encouraging skin to skin whenever it is safe and possible to do. And this can be skin to skin with mom, dad, any partner, whomever is the primary caregivers. Absolutely. Everybody should be doing skin to skin because this actually also improves the bonding between baby and the caregivers. Mm -hmm. And that's a great point. And bonding is such an issue 
today in our society where people get distracted very easily. So I try to encourage people to keep that first two hours sacred. So also they have that dedicated time and maybe keep social media and your phone out of it, take a few pictures and then just rest and enjoy your baby and really start to build that bond and that time and dedication to each other. So that's great. What is your advice around feeding on day one of this baby, or especially the first two hours? What are you suggesting there? So many babies in the first 15, 20 minutes after birth are going to start looking for the nipple. If that is your nipple or if that is an artificial nipple, both are fantastic. Okay. In my opinion, a fed baby is a happy, healthy baby. So if you're using formula, fantastic. If you're going to breastfeed, fantastic. If you're going to do a combination of both, fantastic. We just want your baby fed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. We find that when babies are doing skin to skin, especially if it's been a physiologic birth with very little medication, babies will actually just scoop down and find that nipple and the latch is really lovely. Sometimes if somebody has had medication, especially in lighter stages of um, labor, that baby might need a little bit more assistance, a little more time to be able to latch onto a nipple. And there's some really great ways of getting a good latch. So there is a future podcast booked already for just breastfeeding and discussion of that and another one on formula feeding. So we'll look forward to that in future. Yes, generally in the first two hours, it's if baby wants to eat, feed the baby, baby wants to sleep, take advantage of that, have the baby skin to skin and sleep. And I generally say for the first 24 hours, when baby's awake, feed them, when baby's sleeping, sleep, but making sure that's at least every three to four hours, baby's getting to breast. And then when baby's 24 hours to start to get that baby on every two to two and a half hours, especially if you're breastfeeding because now that's going to bring on your milk for day three. So we'll look at that in more detail. But And what about a formula-fed baby? When would the first offering of that formula be? Usually around two to four hours of life, if they're showing any interest. So oftentimes babies will be sleepy when they first come out, especially if you think about all the things that they're having to do. And so they may be very sleepy and not interested in feeding. But usually around two hours of life is when we want to start introducing food and seeing if they have an interest. And then they also have another period of time where they get very sleepy and it's around eight to 12 hours of life. So if they get really sleepy, generally we don't get too, too concerned at that point as well. And I think folks should remember that whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding your baby, that the baby's tummy is really tiny on the first day, about the size of a cherry. So if your baby only goes to breast or only takes five milliliters of formula, which is about a teaspoon, that's probably plenty for that little belly. So what we actually Mm -hmm. encourage people to do is look at the output of the baby and don't worry so much about the input. Day one, one pee, one poop, you're likely to get more than that. Day two, two and two. And that's about all we're talking about in these two first podcasts. So let's leave it at that. And remember the first stool of the baby, we often say it's like road tar. It's called meconium. It's been the amniotic fluid, the hair and skin cells that they were practiced breathing in utero. And that's now becoming their output. And it takes a couple days to clear that. So make sure you're really, uh, 
using a good protective diaper cream on your babe because it'll be much easier for you to clean up that little bottom <laughs> as, after, as those first meconium stools do come through. Any thoughts on stool, Inara? It's very common not to have any stool for the first 24 to 48 hours. We don't get concerned if there's no poop until around closing it on the 72 hour mark. So don't worry if you're at 12 hours and there's no poop or 24. Um, again, not a huge concern from something's going wrong perspective. In terms of peeing, um, as long as your baby has peed by 24 hours of life, we're happy. And just be aware that, that sometimes what will happen is if your baby has peed and pooped, sometimes it's such a low volume of pee or it's mixed in with the poop that you don't actually see it. So just something to keep in mind and just be aware of. And if you are concerned, always just chat with your provider and bring it up as a concern so that they can be aware and either give you the reassurance or just keep it a closer eye. Good. And for the sake of time right now, I know we've touched on a couple of the topics, but can you tell us a little bit about the Eat, Sleep and Console project that you were involved in? I know it was focused on drug-exposed babies, but how do we transfer some of those points of bonding on with a normal baby? Yeah, so Eat, Sleep, Console was for drug-exposed babies in order to try to decrease the amount of medications that they take. And the big part of it is non-pharmacological interventions, it's called. So basically, these are the things that we do to bond with our baby and keep them calm. So being near your baby is important. Making sure that the room is lower lights, lower stimulation, quieter. That can be very helpful. Doing all that skin to skin, swaddling them nice and tight in that flex position, because that's usually where newborns are very comfortable because they've just spent nine months in this enclosed space flexed. And it can be a little disconcerting for them to suddenly be out in this big open area. So that, that can be very good. Um, a lot of holding of your baby. You cannot spoil your baby. They are just there to be loved and held and nurtured at that point. Trying to keep sort of visitors to a minimum and not interrupting periods of sleep, which can happen in clusters. <laughs> they might sleep a little bit more and then they might wake up and <laughs> all over the place. So really, those are the biggest uh, interventions is really just respecting what your baby is normally doing, but also just realizing some of these big changes, we can help with that transition until they get used to being out of the womb and all of those things. And it just helps to keep them much more calm and helps you to bond as well. You'll be able to get more sleep. And yeah, <laughs> that's helpful. Going, so. Yes. Oh, very good. I know we've used the term normal a few times within this podcast. So I just wanted to say too, normal has a huge variation of behaviors and functions. Each baby is different. So just relax, sit back and observe and respond to each baby as each baby requires. It's going to be different from your first baby to your second baby and on through. So relax, enjoy and begin to learn. So thank you so much for joining me today. I know you'll be back to join me to talk a little bit about day one and two of life. Thanks for joining us on Babies Out. Now what? Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast below and check out the show notes. Let us know what questions and topics you're thinking about or what great ideas you have. We'd love to feature these on future podcasts.
As a reminder, the contents of these podcasts are not meant for clinical advice, though we may discuss normal physiology and other details related to pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, normal newborn behavior, and more. Always consult your healthcare provider for assessment and advice if you have any concerns about yourself or your baby. Visit our website at www.babiesout.com and download your personal journal. Please join me for the next episode of Babies Out, Now What?